Dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this day. Lord, we thank Thee for the opportunity to come to this building and meet for mission, mission prep. Please bless that we can do good and that we can strive to be better people every day. Lord, please bless that we can search out those who need us and need our comfort and need our love. Lord, please bless those who are in the military that they will feel comfort, comfort today and that they will have a full stomach. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amber, come up here. This is Amber. She's been off from her mission for two days. She served in Chicago. That's another nation, somewhat, at least another culture, especially on the south side. Don't you think it'd be fun to hear just a wonderful testimony from this sweet, remarkable return missionary sister? So do I. Well, it's great to be here. It's fun. I feel like I haven't done really anything spiritual, so this is super exciting. Um, being home from a mission is really weird. Um, it's not that weird being home, like in your home, but once you go out, that's when it gets weird. But you guys are so lucky. You have a mission prep class, and it's not, it's not like early, early. That's cool. And there's a lot of you. That's cool. Only in Utah. So you guys are really lucky. Um, but I'm glad you're here. Um, I love this gospel. And I'm excited for if you guys are able to go on a mission or whatever happens in your life. But I know God has a plan for each of us. He loves each of us, each of us so, so much. Um, and preparing for a mission prepares you for anything in life. It gives you the habits to... Um, whether it's, it is for mission or for, for marriage or whatever. But I know as we, we trust God that he'll make everything right. I know that as we study the scriptures and do those basic things, those things are what's going to keep us safe. Time and time again, I've watched, you, I've watched people um, start learning about the gospel and they immediately see blessings and um I had a lot of instances where people didn't have jobs, and then they got a job, and and then they were like, oh yeah, well, we're good, and then they stopped keeping their commitments that we would invite them to do, and, and their life would kind of go downhill, and you're just like, I know what's wrong. You need to read the scriptures, pray, come to church. And those three things are so basic, but they're so crucial. They're what will change your whole day, your, your life, and keep you on this straight and narrow. And I've definitely grown a testimony of how important that is as I've watched people just be happy. People who have the gospel are just happy. Um, I served in the south, my last area was in the south side of Chicago, and it's an adventure every day. I was on public transportation, and so you never know what you, you're going to get. Um, some of the craziest people and some of the nicest people, but no matter what, they're all children of God, and they all need the gospel. And it's so fun just to sit by someone on the bus and just start talking to them and be like, "Oh, hey," and you get some cool responses. Sometimes they're like, "What the heck are you doing? You're talking to me on the bus," and sometimes they see your tag and you're like, "Oh, that's why." And then every now and then you get on the bus and the bus driver's like, 
You're the sisters? I've only seen the elders, or the boy ones. And then this only happened once, but it was really cool. She, she told the whole bus, there's Mormon missionaries on the bus. It was, that doesn't really happen. Um, let's see, what should I share? Uh, I'm just happy. Uh, it's, the gospel definitely makes you happy. And the scriptures bring answers and I just know that to be true. I know it's so much. And if you're ever needing an answer, just kneel down and pray. And you can go to the temple. As a missionary, you can't really go that much. And we have lots of them. Go, even if it's just walking around the grounds. That was one of the coolest things about going on my mission and not going to the temple. I went pretty much every week is I realized how even once you walk on temple grounds, how strong the spirit is. And that's something I never realized before. It was something I kind of always had. Um, and when I first went out on my mission, I was like, I don't know if I feel the spirit. We all get to go through that. And then I really, I realized that I don't always know that I have the spirit with me, but I do always know when it's gone or when the spirit's warning me. So pay attention to those soft promptings, those thoughts. And if you have a thought and if it leads you to do something good, just do it. Because most of the time it's a prompting from God and we don't realize it till after. And I know God loves each and every one of you and he's proud of you for being here and sacrificing your morning. I mean, there's, you could be sleeping. Who doesn't like sleep, right? Or doing homework. But if you put God first, everything else will, will fall into place. Say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you so much, and welcome home. Oh, what a great sight you are. Good morning to everyone. I don't know about you, but maybe we ought to start calling this life preparation. Because it's a lot more than, I mean, your whole life is this magnificent mission. And we could really talk about it more generally, too, because exactly what we were just taught, these things we talk about are such significant lessons for every aspect of our lives, including right now. And some of you, I had just felt this morning as I was prayerfully considering you coming, that there might be one or two of you at times that feel a little overwhelmed, feeling like you're totally prepared to accomplish everything you want to in life. And that sometimes it seems a little challenging to look ahead at your goals, whether it's a mission or all the other things you look forward to. Even today, the test you have, you might be feeling like maybe I'm not quite prepared. So your prayer this morning was something like, Heavenly Father, help me remember things I haven't studied because that would be really helpful today. Anyway, whatever we do to prepare ourselves, right? And I remember having those feelings. I mean, I remember landing in Germany my first time and everything being so strange. And, and we arrived earlier, a week earlier than they expected us. And the mission president was not prepared for us. And all of a sudden, he just called in all the missionaries. And, and I was sent out with a junior companion to go do missionary work my first day. And this junior companion spoke the most interesting German I'd ever heard. He was from Kentucky. 
and we went to our first door, and he was supposed to say, Guten Tag. Instead, he said, Guten Taggy. <laughs> wow. I don't know if anybody can... Anyway, it was amazing, right? And, and in the midst of all the crazy experiences that night, I mean, he wanted to see if I was prepared to teach. And so we went over to a member's home. I didn't know they were members, and he just said... I don't remember my discussion, so you'll just have to teach. I said, okay, I'm ready, just let me go. And I said this line, Business by Representanten der Kirche Jesu Christi der Heilige der letzten Tage. Welche Kirche kennen Sie am besten? That's what I said. Which means, we're members of the representatives of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. With which church are you most familiar? And she said, It came out just like that to me. It was just like, I have no idea what you just said. And I looked at my companion, he went, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, it must have been a good answer. And I taught her and taught her, and she just kept saying, mm-hmm. And he said, mm-hmm, and I kept going, and I had no idea what she was talking about. And finally, after about a minute or two, he said, I guess you understand she's a member. And I said, yeah, of course I do. I had no idea. I had no idea what was going on at all. And I just felt like that, a little overwhelmed, right? And then we jumped on my bike. I was riding his companion's bike. His companion was six foot three. I am not. <laughs> the pedals would not come up for me even to reach them. I could only reach them on the downstroke and then wait for the other one to return. I'm riding along the best I can and it's raining and I'm holding an umbrella and we're riding along and we hit cobblestones. Can I tell you what it's like to ride a bike on cobblestones? I'm holding the umbrella, doing this, trying to find the pedals and going, <laughs> and that was my first night. It was amazing. And we went over to a family that was supposed to be baptized the next day. And we walked in, and I knew enough German to know, they said, we don't think we're ready to be baptized. And my poor junior companion, companion, and he is wonderful Kentucky German, talked to them for about an hour, trying to convince them that they should be baptized. And I'm sitting there saying nothing. And all of a sudden, the Spirit said, Elder, speak. And I remember saying, in English? <laughs> because I wasn't sure what to say. But I knew I was prompted my first night to open my mouth and testify. I didn't have the words to say. But a quiet miracle happened that I wish I could explain to you. Because he whom God calls, he qualifies. It wasn't me. But I opened my mouth and said, in Schilligensee, excuse me. And they went totally silent and looked at me like he speaks. <laughs> because I hadn't said a word. And I just opened my mouth and this is what came out. You could talk to my companion all night. He's not the one to tell you that you should be baptized. I have prayed about the gospel of Jesus Christ and I know it's true. And that he has organized his church on the earth today that you have a privilege of coming closer to the Savior by making covenants. I was saying all this in German. Absolutely beyond my capacity. I said, so you just need to go in the next room and pray about it. He'll tell you. They said, okay. And they got up and went in the other room. My companion looked at me and said, Elder, do you know what you just said to them? I said, I'm not sure. I think so. 
You just told them they were going to get an answer to their prayers. I said, then they will. Because it wasn't me. You know I couldn't say what I just said, right? He said, good point. <laughs> he said, do you know how to pray, Elder? And I said, I do. He said, you better pray as hard as you've ever prayed because I love these people. We've been teaching them for a long time and you just told them they're going to get answered to our prayers. I said, it wasn't me. And if they were told to do that, then I'm sure they will. And we knelt down at a little table and poured out our heart my first night in the mission field. And a sweet couple walked out of the back room and said, we received an answer to our prayer and we would like to be baptized tomorrow. That was my first night. And I learned a lesson. He whom God calls, he qualifies, but more than that. The amazing reality of how much Heavenly Father loves his children, and any of you that feel like you don't have the capacity or ability, or you're not qualified enough, that's not the point. None of us is qualified enough. We don't have the capacity to be able to do everything he wants us to do, but he will help us through this miracle. And it is so fun to teach people about this great idea and about prayer. I was on a trade-off one day and I was with Elder Barrett. We knocked on the door and the sweet family let us in. The man had a master's degree and he was very bright. And we're there talking to him. And my companion, after briefly talking to him, said, well, that was our message for today. We'd like to leave a prayer with you before we leave. And we'd like you to say it. That's what he said. We'd been there 10 minutes. This man had never said a prayer in his life. And he said, we'd like you to say it. And he said, I have never prayed before. He said, it's easy. You just say, Heavenly Father, and then you say what you're thankful for. What are you thankful for? I'm alive. Good, that's a great thing. And then you say what you need. What do you need? Money. He said, good. And then you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. That's the way you pray. And my companion knelt down. And I knelt down. And we're sitting there with our arms folded. So they knelt down. A little awkward for a minute. And then finally he said, how do I start? You say, Heavenly Father. And he just closed his eyes. So this educated, bright man said, Heavenly Father, thankful I'm alive. I'm thankful for my wife. As soon as he said that, spirit filled the room like that because he actually prayed something sincere. As soon as he voiced it, spirit filled the room. I could feel it. I could hear my companion smiling. <laughs> it was just like, yes, I love praying. <laughs> it was so great. And then he said, I need some money. And then he paused this long time and he finally said, how do I stop? He said, you say in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We got up and thanked him. We started to leave. We went down the little stairwell to their outside door. He followed us down and he said, did you feel something when I prayed? He said, yes, it's called the Spirit. That was awesome. He said, I've never prayed before. My companion almost said, really? <laughs> it was just so obvious. It never, you know, he said, that was amazing. It was when I prayed about my wife, huh? Uh-huh. He said, I'm gonna go pray again. <laughs> Good, have fun. <laughs> he ran back up and said, it's just amazing. What it's like just to teach people to take a step closer. Especially the amazing, remarkable gift we have to help them really understand how their lives can be forever different. I wouldn't miss an opportunity to 
be a missionary for anything. And it doesn't have to be full-time. It's just don't miss the opportunity to bring people closer to him. It's amazing. And somehow we were walking through a little neighborhood one day and we learned a great thing about what we were just taught by Amber. Amazing. We were walking through this neighborhood and we were busy and we had some place to go and we had an appointment and we were about five minutes late so we were kind of in a hurry. And the sweet lady ran out and said, Hey boys! And then she patted me on the head. I had not been patted on the head since I was about five. And she was this sweet Jewish mama and she patted me on the head and she said, What are you doing in my neighborhood? My companion said, we're teaching people about happiness. She said, I want to be happy. Why don't you teach me? My companion said, we don't really have time today. I'm sorry. We just, so we'll be back. And she said, at least give me something to read. He said, okay. And he looked for something to read, and he couldn't find a pamphlet because we'd given them all out. The only thing he had was a copy of the Book of Mormon. Well, great. So he pulled out a copy of the Book of Mormon and said, here's something. Now, if you just hand somebody a Book of Mormon, what do you think they think it is? Somehow, most of them think it's the, like the history of the Mormon church or something. I mean, they don't have any idea what it is. It's just the Book of Mormon. And usually you kind of describe to them what it is or tell them something so that they have some kind of background. We were in a hurry. He just said, here, have fun. And we walked away. And she took the book and went back in her house. Now, if that was you, and you had one minute to tell her what the Book of Mormon is and introduce her to it, what would you say on your market set, turn to your neighbor and tell them in one minute, what is the Book of Mormon, and how would you introduce it to somebody that doesn't know anything about it? Go. Okay, finish up in about 10 seconds. Awesome. So what kind of things would you want to include? Just anybody raise your hand and tell me something you'd want to say that would kind of help them know something. What would you want to say? Please. It's another testament of Jesus Christ. Isn't it great to tell them that it's really about the Savior? Yes, absolutely. That's what it says, even on the front cover now of our books. Yes? Anything else you'd want to include? Can I tell them what it is? Please. Oh, amazing. This just shocks people. We used to have so much fun telling people about this. And the Savior didn't just minister to the people in the old world, but he actually came to the people in the new world. Amazing. They were just thrilled about that. We actually talked to a young man one day, and he printed off flyers and handed them to his whole church and said, come on Tuesday night, we're having these two Americans come because they think Christ was in America. They think everything happened in America. They're just a bunch of... Anyway, <laughs> that's what he said. And invited his whole church to come hear about Christ in America. It was amazing, right? That's a, that's a stunning truth, right? Anything else you want to say? Because you said the lady was a Jewish lady, yes, and that's like, 
Oh, yeah, amazing, right? Yeah, did you hear that? Yes, it would relate to her because she had said it. We could have related something directly to her. That's a great, you're going to be a great missionary. Oh, my goodness. Right? The title page in the Book of Mormon is amazing because it's what really hit her heart. And right after that, there's a book called, there's a page called The Introduction. Amazing what the introduction says. It's, the title page of the Book of Mormon says that the purpose of the book is to teach people that Jesus is the Christ. Both Jew and Gentile. It actually says that right on the title page. Who wrote the title page of the Book of Mormon? That seems like, you know, a tricky question. Moroni wrote it. It's scripture. It wasn't written by Joseph Smith. This is actually written, the title page was actually written by Moroni. And he wrote this so we could read it. That's amazing. I mean, this is actually part of the scripture, right? And he explains the purpose of it. The introduction is a wonderful little one-page summary of what it is. And it's even quoted in Preach My Gospel, it says, if you can explain to somebody. But the end of it, it says, if you read and understand this book, three amazing things will happen. And on that introduction, those three things are remarkable. That we have living prophets today, that his church has been restored, and that Jesus is the Christ. That we can totally understand and accept and believe that this is a reality. Those remarkable things, right? Well, we left. We walked back through the neighborhood shortly thereafter. It was like two days later. And she came charging out and patted me on the head again. I said, hello. And she said, I read your book. Now, people used to say that to us all the time, and that meant they'd read a page, right? I said, so how much did you read? Read the whole thing, and I'm about halfway through again. It was two days. I said, really? So what was your favorite part? She said, three Nephi. <laughs> I said, really, why? I'm a Jew. I never read directly detailed, beautiful ministry of Jesus Christ. But when I finished that book, I knew he was who he said he was. She didn't know one thing about the church. Not one word from us. She just picked up a book. And she read it. And she read three Nephi. And she went on and told us many times her favorite parts of watching the Savior bless people and heal them and teach truths that transform our lives. And it's amazing. And then she said this profound thing. Did you know there's a promise in your book? We said, uh-huh. It's in Moroni. Later I asked her why she called it Moroni, and she said, I don't know, the only word I've ever seen that's like that is macaroni. So we said, I said, macaroni, Moroni. I said, okay, you can call it anything you want. Moroni's good. She said, it says you can pray about it. And I did. And I received an answer that is true. What do I do now? I will never forget this moment on my mission. That a sweet lady, knowing nothing at all, had picked up a book. By the time she was done, she knew it was true and knew Jesus was the Christ and could transform life. This is one of those amazing physical evidences that helps people go beyond. You can hand it to them, they can feel it in their hands, and they can read it, and they have to answer a question. Where did this book come from? And in the midst of doing that, they're going to hear and read right in the front 
the testimony of three witnesses that will say we saw an angel of God who showed us the plates, felt the plates, heard him speak, the voice of God from heaven telling us it was true. David Whitmer, nearing the end of his life, because he's the longest living witness, was interviewed over 80 times by people representing the United States government and everyone else. He had left the church, he was disassociated with the church because of the persecution that happened and all the rest. David Whitmer, 80 interviews, said, I felt with my physical hands and saw with my physical eyes those plates. I heard the voice of God from heaven and amazingly testified time after time after time. And it's written so many times in so many accounts. And people will ask you often, try to be respectful. It's, it's wonderful that Joseph had these experiences. Did anyone else? You can say, yeah, right in the middle of the day, bright day, out together, witnesses testified, and all of their lives. If this book is true, then the message is so profoundly wonderful that every single person has hope, that it's amazing that they can truly come to the Savior and be healed. This is the most Christ-centered book on the earth. Every 1.7 verses, if you average the amount of times his name is mentioned, and count all the verses in the Book of Mormon, every 1.7 verses the Savior's mentioned. Can you imagine any book? The New Testament's not that Christ-centered. It doesn't mention the Savior's name that much. Not as much as this. It's amazing how directly this teaches that remarkable thing. Think about it in your own life. The answers you can receive, the power of this wonderful book. The brethren always tell us to read the scriptures, but they always tell us specifically. Make sure part of that every day is reading in the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon has a specific role. It's different than the other scriptures. It has a specific role. It is to testify of the Savior. It is to help us strengthen our personal witness of Him. And it is amazing how real that is. And how all the way through the book, you can find, I don't care if you are a young person struggling with mistakes you've made and aching inside to try to have his help. You can open to a book and see a young man also equally struggling in the midst of his young adult life just hurting so much. And through that process of his desire to change, he would have a moment when he just thought about his life and all the weaknesses he had and all the inadequacy he had and he was so filled with pain and sorrow and hurt. Are you going to meet people like that? All the time. Can you turn to these beautiful pages and say, yeah, there was another young man that really hurt, was hurting. And what happened in Alma 36 when he tells his, first, his personal experience? What happened but he said, I was hurting so badly that I thought I should become extinct. I didn't want to live. And in the midst of that painful sorrow, a thought came to my mind that my dad had taught me that Jesus Christ would come atone, that the Savior would someday come, and he could make my problems better. He could heal that. This sweet boy felt two awful things. They were, I'm worthless and I'm hopeless. Two terrible feelings that are rampant in our world. One of the great things we do is run around and take care of these two feelings. Because if you believe the atonement, can you believe those two things? If you believe 
Jesus Christ himself came because he loved you so much and sacrificed everything and paid for your sins. Can you believe you're worthless to him? You never can. Can you believe you're hopeless if he said, I will make your weaknesses strengths. I will make your weaknesses strength. He can do anything. Can you be hopeless? If you really believe in the Savior, do you know how many times I had the privilege of teaching those thoughts? Can you be hopeless or worthless? No. And this boy thought this thought and thought, if that's true, then I have hope. And he said this, Oh Jesus, have mercy on my soul, who am in the gall of bitterness. Please, could this be true? That's what he said. What does the next verse say? And my pain went away. How fast? Just like that. In the midst of that, you get a chance to teach that. Is that amazing? You get a chance to be with people. This whole book, right? The very first part of the book, it's about this wonderful family. They've got all kinds of trials and all kinds of challenges. Chapter 1. Some of us were here last week, and Elder Holland said, Chapter 1 summarizes the whole purpose of the Book of Mormon. How many times have we read Chapter 1? A time or two. <laughs> because it's before the Isaiah chapters, and we don't, you know, there it is, right? Chapter 1, does it summarize the whole thing? Yes. Here's Lehi walking along, and prophets are in the land, and he hears prophets speak, and they teach him about Christ, and he goes and prays about it, and finds out that it's true, and gets an answer. Then he, in his personal life, draws closer to him by sincerely praying, all in chapter 1. And he has the privilege of having revelation that Jesus, in fact, is the Christ. And gets a chance to know about the quorum of the twelve coming, and all that they will do. And it changes everything for him, and makes all his adversity and all his trust. That's all in chapter 1. By the time they get that far, they've learned the amazing things they could learn. But it just gets better. All the way through the book, there are remarkable experiences that bring us closer to him. Is that right? And then one day, a group of people were gathered at a temple. And they had had destruction in their lives and challenges and problems beyond what they'd ever imagined. They had a death in their families. Injury and sorrow and sadness. And they're gathered at the temple. And they hear a sound but don't understand it. Because they cast their eyes around about. Then they hear a sound again and they don't understand it. Then the third time they did open their ears that they might hear. They looked toward the sound thereof and they looked steadfastly. And suddenly that simple pattern changes everything. Because they looked steadfastly and opened their ears that they might hear. And they heard a voice that said, Behold, this is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased, whom I have glorified by name. Hear ye him. And God the Father testifies of his Son, and they look and see him coming. I know that happened. And 2,500 people the first day felt Prince of the Nails in his hands, thrust their hand into his side. And the next day, many more, many more. We have this witness to give the world. And it's amazing. Amazing. Have you ever wondered why the last part of the Book of Mormon is mostly about people 
who are having to be really strong when the whole world around them is getting worse. Why Mormon lived that way, and Moroni lived that way, and the whole world got worse around them, and they had to be strong without much support. Have you ever wondered why those last witnesses of the Book of Mormon were writing about that? Beautiful youth, this is the story of your life. This world is going to darken around you, and your light will be much more prominent as it does. And in the midst of that, you will have the privilege of representing his light. And you will relate to Mormon and Moroni and understand what they went through. And Moroni wandered for all those years alone. Then he came back to the plates for one last wonderful moment to share his testimony. And he said what you know very well, Moroni 10, verse 3 through 5. Don't miss verse 3. If there's a scripture for today, this is amazing. And you know that he says, when you shall receive these things, if it be wisdom in God that you should receive them, I would that you should consider how merciful God has been from the beginning of time, even down until the time when you shall receive these things and ponder it in your heart. You want to get answers to your prayer? What do you do first? Pray gratitude. Think of every way you're blessed. Pray gratitude until the Spirit's there. Pray gratitude. And as you pray and notice His blessings and think about them and pray that, then you're prepared to receive an answer. But if we don't recognize His hand first, we're barely prepared to receive. Learn how to pray gratitude deeply in your life. And that's the pattern he teaches. This is Moroni who wandered around all alone forever. And his last words almost are to say, just notice his hand. Think how merciful he's been. Pray gratitude. I testify, that's amazing. And then he said, but when you shall receive these things, I would that you should ask God, the eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true, and if you shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And this sweet Jewish sister said, there's a promise in your book. And she had read that promise. And she knelt down and prayed. And we had the privilege of going out into a river one Sunday morning in the middle of Germany and baptizing that sweet Jewish lady into the church because she had touched this book. Take a minute. Turn to each other. Tell each other something you love about the Book of Mormon. Share your testimony for a minute about how the Book of Mormon has blessed your life. Give me a minute to do that. Please.
so beautifully early in the morning, I can't tell you how precious it is to hear a whole room filled with testimony just for a minute. I know that the Savior is very aware of the sacrifice you make. I know He knows you. He knows you by name. He cares about each of you deeply, individually. I know that one of the greatest witnesses we have of His healing power is the magnificent gift of the Book of Mormon to testify to us that that's true. It's amazing. Amazing. This little board over here, my beautiful bride, has summarized, again, the way we share that, this little acronym we have called DESTA, which is, we describe what you've done together today. And then, give an example, and then a scripture that fits into that, and the testimony, and then some kind of a challenge. Our challenge today would be, and we have beautiful little cards for you if you didn't get one, read the Book of Mormon, read some every day. If you haven't started yet, if you haven't done it for a while, just start today. Read some of the Book of Mormon every day. Pray about it as you do. And I testify, you will come to know Him and feel His presence and His healing power and know that it's true. And leave that humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember to use the crosswalk going back. Be safe. Book of Mormon Church up here. And any of the other kind of, there's a beautiful summary of all the different discussion items. If you don't have any of this stuff, come get some. Yeah, that's right, you are.